Hi friends, and welcome to Trauma and Triumph. This is a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of powerful women who have taken their trauma and transformed it into triumph. I'm your host, Krista Janine, best known for my IG handle, Krista Janine, where I discuss health, wellness, social justice, single parenthood, and everything in between. But most importantly, where I discuss how we can all take trauma and transform it into triumph in our lives. During season one, you're going to meet a variety of amazing women who have overcome tremendous obstacles, setbacks, and trauma to become the extraordinary people they are today. On today's episode, we have Jennifer Phillips, yoga instructor and doula. In this episode, we discussed Jennifer's traumatic childbirth and how it's led her to the work she does today. We speak on how one can be more supportive of anyone going through a traumatic experience and how we all need to give ourselves a little more grace in the process conversation of the day so what is one trauma-centered event in your life that strikes you as a pivotal moment um so the story that I wanted to share with you was um the story of my daughter's birth it's election night um all the great things were happening um Obama was reelected. um gay marriage was um passed in Minnesota and my water broke. So I'm breathing, I'm moving and they come and they're like, no, you have to go to the hospital. So because of the situation, um, my midwife had a relationship with a city, a state hospital called UIC, University of Illinois. Um, so I went there and The state hospital, I was like the only person birthing on this wing. Um, Another woman came in and she was incarcerated. So she was like handcuffed to her bed giving birth. So fucked up. So I have Quinn. Um, They don't have nurseries. They have like mother baby centers. And so they want to keep the babies with you, the, the caregivers, um, but I woke up in the middle of the night and she wasn't there. And so I'm the only person. So it's kind of like, I love to tell stories. It was kind of like one of those horror movies. Like you step out into the wing and like, nobody's there. And then like the light in the ceiling is like flashing. Oh my God. I know you've just gone through birth and you're like, you know, kind of disoriented because it's, it's a lot. And I make it to the desk and all I can say is like, where is Quinn? And they're like, oh, she's in the NICU. And immediately, like, you snap too, and you're like, wait, what? The NICU? So not only was she in NICU, but she was in, like, the level up of NICU, like, the highest. So I I see her, and she's got, like, all these cords in her. um, And I'm just constantly being bombarded just by this idea of, like, what we see from the world. Like, you're pregnant you have your baby and you go home, you know? And I fought so hard during my pregnancy to prove that I was healthy. And it was just like this cognitive dissonance of like, what is happening? Like, what is going on? So they're like, we don't know what's going on with her. Um, But when kiddos are in the NICU, they're looking for everything. So she has like a heart team, uh, uh, this team, uh, that team, uh, that team. And a person who's not initiated into that kind of world. It's like, it's just like, so, um, 
you're just like bombarded by all this information on top of like not being fed, um, being tired, just having gone through birth. So essentially she wasn't passing her merconium. She wasn't passing, um, she wasn't having bowel movements and they didn't really have any answers. We got her stabilized so that she could do the step down. So she was just kind of like in general NICU. And at a state hospital, a lot of these kids are, um, they're children born from addiction, children born with fetal alcohol. Um, A lot of these kids have like really long roads. So I'm sitting in this room with her and I'm staying with her 24 hours a day. We were there for a total of 12 days. Um, Sitting in a chair postpartum, so not like receiving postpartum help, postpartum checkups, postpartum mental support or anything. My husband, I had a partner, he's like taking care of stuff at home. So all kinds of things, like they, they come and take blood from her and then another person comes and they are taking blood. And I was like, someone just took blood. And they're like, no, they didn't. And I was like, yes, they did. And we're throwing around words like cystic fibrosis. And just like other really like life altering diagnosis. And again, I'm just feeling like this thing of like, you know, fuck the movies. Fuck parents who like just, you know, oh, I just had a baby and I came home. Like, what is happening? This was not supposed to be my story. Like, my baby was supposed to be healthy. Like, what is going on? It's like your reality switched in a split second. So nothing Mm -hmm. about your situation leading up to it would have triggered, this could potentially go haywire. You know what I mean? So I don't even know if it's that you were living in this oblivious fairy tale. It's like you were living in your truth, but then your truth changed very quickly and in a traumatic way. Yeah. Yeah. And in a, in a, you know, when it comes to trauma, oh my gosh, like there are so many thoughts and ideas, right? And I think something that we hear a lot, um, and not even with trauma, but like just throwing out sentences, like statements, there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything happens for a reason, you know, um, but look how far you've come, see how you've risen, see how you use that, right? Like we do that. And it's like, I think we also throw around the word trauma so much, right? It's now like depression. Like, are you sad or are you depressed? Right. And like, um, we don't want to grief trade, which is a word that we use like in trauma. Like, this is what happened to me. But, you know, there are children in other countries who are starving, right. and, like live in a hovel, right? We don't want to do that because like everyone's experience is unique and to them. But like, I don't know if like going to the restaurant and they not having like the meal you wanted is traumatic <laughs> versus like someone right. else's experience of like childhood physical abuse. So with that being said, there's like a spectrum. There's like a whole spectrum of it. And now I'm seeing a lot of like capital T's and little T's when we talk about the things. Um, so 
as I think about like what I wanted to share with you, it was just this idea of, yeah, I have a lot of those stories that like make the memoir book trauma. Right. But this for me was um, like, I still, I'm like in therapy. I have post-traumatic stress, you know, from just the thing, some of the things that had happened during that time. And when I think about going through that situation and what it was like going through it and where, what the gifts that I did receive because of it, the awakening, the ability to advocate, the ability to want to move into the birth space to change this for other women for so many reasons, for pregnant people as a whole, um, it was a gift. Nobody talks about the work that it takes to get to a place where you can be like, oh yes, there is purpose in everything. And sometimes bad things are going to happen, but it's a part of my overall journey. And there is no like, I, this was because I deserved it. And this is because it's supposed, like, you know what I mean? It's not even that. It's like, this is a part of your journey that's taking you where you're supposed to be and leading you toward your purpose in life and toward your ultimate being like reason for being here but even that mindset if you're not in that headspace hearing things like everything happens for a reason you're just like no you're an asshole like who says that (laughs) you know what I mean but we throw it out and we give these super deep spiritual responses to people expecting them to be able to like fully embrace it in the space that they're in and they're not ready to they're not even prepared to yes oh my gosh I mean ha Krista like we have so much work to do (laughs) you know what I mean it's like when we bring it back to birth like birth loss how to speak to people about birth loss it makes others so uncomfortable. Like you said, they don't know what to say. So it's okay to not say anything. It's right. okay to ask for what it is that they need. 100%. And one of my friends and I were talking about this this morning, cause I always go back and forth with like, am I a good parent? Am I doing things right or whatever? And we were talking about how our parents didn't give us the tools to communicate our thoughts properly and our emotions and like all the things that you need to be like an actually like full functioning adult. Like we weren't given those tools as children. So now in our thirties and forties, we're trying to figure out how to communicate well with other human beings and how to, you know, deal with our own internal like struggles and our own emotions. And it's, it's unfair of us. And this is why grace is something like I've been throwing around a lot. It's unfair of us to just expect ourselves to know things that we have no point of reference to. And I think, especially right now in society, where a lot of us are striving to figure out how to be, you know, emotionally intelligent and how to really sit in our trauma and how to actually ask for what we need. But then we expect to just get it overnight. And it's like, no, you have like, 30 plus years of undoing to undo (laughs) like it's not it's not gonna happen tomorrow oh and it's messy and it sucks and you have to look at all your own shit I often talk we've talked about I often talk to my friends like healing sucks yeah it's not fun much easier to numb to pick up a drink to 
to grab a drug, to have to just avoid in general, just avoid it. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's so much easier. It's painful. It doesn't take the pain away and it doesn't go anywhere. But as a coping mechanism, I can understand how that's easier. Absolutely. Because going through all of it sucks. Yeah. So then <laughs> and it comes it, up in so many ways. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me and just getting back to the, your original story of, you know, having a baby and it turning into like this traumatic kind of horror story for lack of a better term, as opposed to this fairy tale that you thought you were going to be sitting in. What is something that you feel like has really been, I guess, most impactful in the way you navigate your life now like if you were to draw a line right from that point to where you are today how do you see that arc in your life like going yeah I just think it was it's just all of the biases that I had that I that I you know this was in 2012 Mm -hmm. and so you know we weren't having I wasn't aware of and we weren't having as many conversations as we were now, because I will say that I do believe the birth experience was not attached to um, race or socioeconomics, but my other stuff was. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that, but it was, right? Right. Not everyone can afford to buy food from Whole Foods. What the fuck's the matter with you? Yeah, It's so much easier with $10 to go and order off the dollar menu and feed all your kids when you're working three jobs, right? Yeah. So all of that stuff, just the choices that I was making, which I felt were right for me, were inherently racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that stuff it, it, and everything that comes from that. The way I want to be of service to women when it comes to education, the way I want to educate others through that. Um, and that's why I wanted to, to talk about it today because it was, yeah, the experience itself, like a lot of people have birth stories and they can write about their birth. And yes, that's unique to a birthing person. Right. But what I received from it, I think is applicable to everyone. That yeah, idea and I, of like, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Because I was going to say it definitely is applicable because we all have our own biases. And this is what I tell people all the time. Anybody that's born in this world has their own unconscious bias about something, whether we want to admit it or yeah. not. And I feel like we all need those wake up calls from time to time to be like, oh, yeah, I'm actually not as aware or conscious or liberated for lack of a better term or woke as I pretend to be and that's myself included there's a lot of stuff I do that I have to remind myself I grew up in a a very privileged life even though I am a black woman like I grew up in a very privileged situation and even where I lived in Chicago had very much so to do with how I was able to have my son the way I had my son so And I think that's been the same thing for me, just understanding my privilege, because it's easy to be like, I'm a black woman, I don't have no privilege, but I actually have a lot of privilege and and have grown up in privilege and oblivious to certain things because of that privilege. 
Um, Mm -hmm. So I think we all, if we're searching for it, have those moments, right? Because you could have gone through that Mm -hmm. and had this moment of what I like to call white tears and been like, oh, why is this happening to me? You know, this is so horrible. What was me? Mm -hmm. What was me? Which a lot of women, after they have babies and they experience what you experience, that is what they will take from it. But for you, you were able to see bigger picture and a lot of other things came to, to light for you. Yeah. And it happened like at warp speed. I can't think of another time in my life where I was just like served so many truths mm-hmm. and it was like game on, like yeah. it has to happen now, you know, um, while also having the reflection of your child, which is like a mirror dealing with just like all your other stuff, like your personal mm-hmm. stuff, you know, the yeah. stuff that happens right here versus yeah. out there. Um, and do you, and I'll be forever grateful for it. But do you feel like, cause this is honestly how I feel about just being pregnant in the birthing process. It was like a spiritual awakening yeah. to me, like on a whole nother level, you know, it's like, it's like you level up after you have a baby. And yeah. I tell people that, but then I don't think a lot of people understand it. Cause if you're not in a space of like really diving into your spirituality, I think it's easy to be like, how, what do you mean? It's like a level up, but I feel like because you're so open after having a child, it is another level that you can reach in your spiritual awakening. If you so choose, because you're so open. Right. And it's almost like that. Well, not even almost like it is like the spiritual world and the physical world coming together. And that's why I feel like it is so easy to have those spiritual awakenings during this time in your life, because when else are you going to be so connected to the spiritual realm than in having a child? Like there's not another parallel that you can get that close to it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know of amazing parents like yourself who speak to that that was not my experience she said nope (laughs) no nope nope they put Quinn in front of me and I was like what am I supposed to do with it (laughs) that was exactly I remember everyone left the room she was between my legs we were in our post postpartum room and I was like right everyone's like oh you feel this rush of love and they're right there And part of me sometimes feels like we went through what we went through because I had to bond to her somehow. And and most of the cares that I had for her in the beginning truly came from, I'm the oldest sister. I'm a leader. I'm a TC, you know, take care of business kind of person. And it was in that sort of like, I I can step into that role like a snap, right? Like nobody's business. And that is also because of attachment issues through traumas from my childhood, you know, Yeah. Um, that I often think about the way everything unfolded, like risking out of my home birth, being in a hospital, then she had the care she needed to be there, the people that I met because of it, that that had to be our path. Yeah. Because I don't know how I could have found a way to her. And that's another thing that we don't talk about, like that you know some people give birth and they're like oh my god and some of us are like (laughs) you want me to take this home with me (laughs) 
Yep. Yep. Okay. I I say most of my care from her was out of obligation for so long. And yeah. sometimes still is because yeah. of, of my traumas and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um. So was that a reason? I don't know. Was it going to happen anyway? I don't know. Was that our path? I don't know. It just is what it is. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Like I said, and I feel like my story is so, it's so interesting. And I feel like sometimes people think I'm like making this up and like, (laughs) I'm just like this weird, like, you know, yogi, crunchy granola chick, right? Like I really do, but I'm like, no, like I even to this day, and maybe it's because part of me always just wanted parenthood, however it came. Like I wasn't attached to like being married as much as I thought I was. Um, And like, even the stuff we get to do now, I'm like, yeah, these are the things I was waiting for. Because the biggest thing when he was little was like, oh, I wish we could do more stuff together and I can't wait until whatever. But I also think that that was part of my healing journey because growing up, I always felt like I was an inconvenience for people. And I always felt like nobody ever wanted Mm -hmm. to do anything with me. And I always felt like, you know, an afterthought for everybody else's life. So when I had a kid, I was like, no, everything is like, we're together and doing the stuff. And also, and I think this is something that the older he gets and the older I get is like, I do not have ownership over my child, right? Like our kids are technically on lease (laughs) until they turn 18. And we're doing the best we can to make sure that when they turn 18, they're like good human beings and have the tools they need to be good human beings. But I think for me, that's also been a big part of it is like, we don't own our kids. And like, if you're like, oh, my child does this, my child does that. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, yes, that is your child, but your child still gets to like, figure themselves out and you're just giving them the tools to do it and I think because of that though because of my childhood trauma and triggers that's why I'm I raise my kid differently and not completely different than my parents but like there are major things that I am like removing but it's it's once again you know our children are our mirrors and I'm just like I don't want that reflection to to be you know trans transformed onto him I mean because that was one of my biggest things when I got pregnant I was like I need to get my shit together very quickly I need to figure out what's going on and heal from it so I don't pass it on to to my child um but that Mm. was part of my healing journey right and it kind of once again put it in warp speed so same for you and like that's what I'm saying like I feel like our stories are very parallel, but like on different ends of the spectrum, <laughs> right? It's like mm-hmm. we both are experiencing the same things, but like just at different ends, which is why yeah. these conversations are so important because we're all living human experiences and they all parallel in so many ways. And we don't yeah. talk about the way our traumas parallel and it's so important because people really think they're out here like living life by themselves and only bad things happen to me and I'm the only person that has childhood trauma which low-key we all have childhood trauma no matter how great of parents you have like you still experience some sort of childhood trauma that you've either suppressed or just didn't realize it was trauma unless somebody's going to bring it up to you so 
it's interesting when I have these conversations with people because they are so important because I feel like people to your point want to be like oh this trauma is worse than that trauma or this experience is worse it's like no we're all getting what we need to like live life as our highest selves and it's what we do with it that actually makes the difference yeah yeah I agree I think the word that always comes up to me and you said it earlier and I just have always, is this grace? You know, yeah. we were like, I got to warp speed heal myself before this baby comes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, we got to figure it out <laughs> real quick. <laughs> you got nine yeah. months <laughs> to heal a lifetime of trauma. Good luck. <laughs> Go, let's do it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ready, set, go. Right. And, and that, that, that triggers will always come up and, and it's always an opportunity for us to exercise it. And yeah, we won't get it right. And one of my favorite things is just to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what to say. You know, what can I do? Or I misstepped. I'm sorry. My intention is to be here for you. Please tell me what it is that you need. I didn't get it mm-hmm. right. You know? or, or whatever. I think like, I'm sorry. And thank you are like some of the most powerful things that we can say to each other, you know, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for doing that. And And also like, I want people who like, if, you know, people who listen to this to know that like, there are millions of births every week that happen and happen as you just, you know, healthy, medically healthy pregnancy, <laughs> baby comes out, family you go home. home. Yeah. But it's the same thing with like social media and things like that, because we have so much access to information. And because like that, which is inflammatory makes better headlines. And because no one runs up to you in the grocery store and is like, Oh my God, I had the best birth. I can't wait for you to have the best birth. They're I'm like, that oh, person. I- I'm her. And people think I'm crazy. You need to be doing that more because why is it that we're only sharing like horror stories and scaring people and then they come and they get a doula and they're like, I'm terrified. My mom told me the story. My sister told me this story. Like, yes, be in your truth, but like ask, why are you sharing this? Right. You know, like, like... Is this because you need to process something? Is it because you think this is really helpful information for this pregnant person or what, you know? Because things are going to happen and we can't be prepared for everything. But if we can have like a more realistic understanding of what could be, then we will be able to give ourselves more grace. Like I didn't know that like people don't attach to their babies right away. I thought I was a monster that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. And I and think now you read again, about it more and more. And it's so, you know? this is why it's so important for these conversations because people need to see the full like spectrum of what pregnancy and labor and delivery look like in this country and yeah. postpartum care. And it's parenting in general. Like it's, yeah. it's such an interesting conversation to be had because every pregnancy is different every child is different, every labor and delivery is different, and with the same woman, right, you know what I mean, you can have a completely easy birth one time, and I think that's why I'm hesitant to have more kids, and the next time it's the most horrible thing ever, like, you know, 
So I think that's always my biggest thing to moms when they come to me and they ask me all these questions. Cause I do advocate a lot and I talk a lot about my story. I'm like, look, do what you need to do to get your kid here alive. (laughs) And what that looks like for you is going to be different than what it looked like for me. And, you know, I do have a higher threshold for pain. If you want to get an epidural, go, go for it. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to have a baby, but I am going to give you a lot of information for you to make a choice that's actually the best choice for you. And I think that's what we don't have enough of is giving people all of the information and then letting them decide. A hundred percent. And that, yes, that is it. That is it. There's not, there's not a, you know, in, there's so many terms we use, right? Like natural birth, unmedicated birth, medicated birth, vaginal birth, cesarean birth. It's all birth. Right. It's all birth. Yeah. Right? So like everything is a tool. A hammer is an amazing tool. You don't need it for every job though. Exactly. This pregnant person is having a birth. How it goes what tools they use is nobody's business yeah yeah you don't know why they chose it what was happening yeah it's we get so like the the mommy wars the parent wars like why why are we constantly coming up with ways to divide ourselves yeah because i i literally am never gonna tell somebody (laughs) no no sorry i was just saying i'm never gonna tell them how to have a baby like what because I've had one so however you want to get that kid here more power to you (laughs) I agree with you the one thing that I do struggle with like how to express is so you said earlier you said I had a really great birth my next birth might be horrible yeah so what that language kind of evokes a feeling in your a horrible birth like, what does that feel like already? Yeah, it's, it's horrible. like, yeah, it feels it's horrible. all the things that go in it. So we constantly are, are using language to infer an experience or a feeling, right? Yeah. Whether you choose to use like an epidural, gas, any sort of pain medication, whatever, through a birth, it doesn't matter. Right. But what is important, and this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, is that pregnant people have faith and strength in their body. Mm-hmm. We can do so many amazing things. And I think a, the, a large narrative that we hear is that you can't do this. Right. You need this stuff. Right. Right. So that goes back to the education that you were talking about. One, you can do this. Yep. So it's this idea. So just empowerment, you know, that like whatever it is that you choose Mm -hmm. and really ask yourself, don't think about this is how my friends did it. This is how they did it. This is what my mother-in-law did. This is what my mom did, whatever. Like, what is it that I want? It's like, certainly there are things that happen in a body, but like, we can catch up. Right. You know what I mean? 
a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth, you can still catch up, right? No matter what people will say about like the pros or cons or whatever language it is that they want to use, like, you know, uh, um, having another person carry your baby, like you can still catch up, right? right? So we have all, we want to use all this language as a way to support why you should do this or why you should do that. And then it just continues to make the pregnant person feel less than. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also, and to your point, and I said this a lot while I was pregnant, because people are like, you're not going to do whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and I was like, it's, it's all a mindset. If you go into something being like, this is going to be the worst experience of my life. Yeah. It's going to be the worst experience of your life. But if you go like, and I do attribute a lot of the reason why my labor and delivery was so chill is because I went into it with a very chill and like relaxed attitude. And I think more people wanted me to have a sense of urgency. And I was like, I'm going to have a baby. He'll be here when he's here. Like, I don't care. Um, right. I was very nonchalant, but educated and nonchalant. Right. So I was very much so aware of the things that could happen, but I was also like, well, if they happen, then we'll deal with them then. But until then, you know, it's very chill vibe. So I think that that is something too, is like living in the in-between. I feel like everybody wants things to be so like finite. And I'm like, that's not how life is. That's not how the world is set up. And all you can do is have all, like literally information is power the more you understand about everything the easier it is to experience things and to your point we don't give people the space to like just exist in the moment we want everybody to be like Mm. this is this is finite this is what you need to i'm like yeah whatever like the kid's gonna get here you know and there's only so much i can do Right. So you do the things that you can do yeah. and then whatever else happens outside of that, then you adjust. And we as a society, though, don't know how to adjust. We are not malleable enough in the way we live our lives. Mm-hmm. And when we get this idea in our head, it's like a dog with a bone. And like sometimes you have to be able to pivot. I love it. All right. Fun time. Fun time. Lightning round. <laughs> Oh so God. what this is this is the fun part right you stressed out <laughs> this is the fun part okay fun fun okay what's one thing you're most proud to have achieved in your life oh um slowing down what's your number one goal for 2022 um getting out of my own way creativity wise. Okay. Where do you see yourself in five years? I just hope to say that at 47 years old, that I'm, I'm doing what I've been called to do. And I've learned to do it in spite of all of my questions or human stuff or whatever. It can be as messy as it is, but I'm just doing it. Like, I don't need any more signier signs. Like I listen. What first impression do you want others to experience when they meet you? I want them to feel like they can be themselves. You know, that's what I hope to do, that they can just be who they are as they are. Yeah. No. 
And then what's one quote you live by and why? By this lady, you might have heard of her, Joan of Arc. (laughs) I was born for this. Where can people find you? What do you do on the interwebs? Tell people all the things. I don't know. I grapple with this, you know, like how to hold space online in an authentic way and how to just like do the work on the ground. Um, I do have a website. It's called souldoulamn.com. It's a work in progress. And yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. And there you have it, friends, another episode of Trauma and Triumph. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're liking what you're hearing so far, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music. See you next week for another triumphant story.